Hello and welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 81, and today I'm joined by someone that I wanted to get on for a while, uh, FI Investor. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, thanks for the invite onto the podcast. I think you've done a, a cracking job on on producing the podcast consistently over the last year or so, uh, so hats off to you on, on that one. Thank you very much, mate. And we met at the uh, recent Index Gain drinks that's and right. uh, had a chat. And that's where I, you know, find my favourite guests when I get to meet them in, in real per- in real life first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, the Index Gain um, meetup was was a good event. It was just good to put some faces to names that you you speak to and discuss lots of ideas and share information with. So always good to kind of meet in person as well. Yeah. I do remember you having an FPL account and kind of having a chat with you at the start when you joined. Um, So, so what, what has happened since then and and how did you find the platform? Yeah. So uh, I I was heavily kind of involved in the FPL space and I had a Twitter account. I had my own uh, podcast at the time. So I fully appreciate kind of the stuff that you do as well. Um, it only lasted a few episodes before I realised how how much effort it, it took. So um, yeah, I was I was in the FPL space, um, and my background is very much kind of in the uh, stocks and shares. Uh, I kind of started investing uh, probably about nearly nine, ten years ago now. Um, various different portfolios in in stocks and shares, ISAs, and I stumbled upon Football Index. Kind of strange. It wasn't through advertising or any kind of um, ways that previous podcast guests have, have have found Football Index. It was very much through just scourging through the app store. And I was looking for like portfolio tools and I was looking for kind of stocks and shares apps and, and things like that. And I saw this Football Index app and I, I thought, what is this? And I, I downloaded it. I had a quick look at some of the uh, screenshots and it looked very kind of amateurish and I didn't know what it was. And then I put a tweet out to the FPL crowd and I did put the football index hashtag and, and one account replied back with uh, the referral link and I signed up with the uh, 10 pound bonus and I, I actually started off with just um, 10 quid as well and I remember I signed up on on the Sunday and I thought there was no rules I, I kind of googled stuff and I couldn't really find much I think it was around September 2017 so the, the number of users were very small at the time or, or when I say users active users the hashtag or the Twitter space was very kind of, there was only a few handful of accounts that were active at the time on the hashtag as well. So it was very much kind of learned the ropes. I remember it was a Sunday afternoon and the West Ham game was on at four o'clock and uh, my first buy was Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, and nothing ever came of it. And and it just started rolling from there. And I thought, actually, this is really good because I've learned a lot through uh, my investing experience, uh, analyzing companies and I'm just trying to understand what's overvalued, undervalued, and also merging the FPL side as well, you know, fancy football and building up a portfolio. And I've always been interested in kind of money management as well. Um, so kind of diverting into crypto and all that sort of stuff as well so um i'm very much uh, kind of making money work for me um i have my own business as well so i have time that i can devote to football index as well so since then you know it's, it's grown i've now got a, a coming up to an eight and a half k portfolio I completely believe in the product I completely kind of bought into the whole product and the idea and i think there's lot lots of growth still still to go up well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, making money work for you is, is something that people, 
usually start to find out only when they start having a bit more expendable income right but what uh do you want to go into a bit more about your kind of stocks and shares investing background or should we leave it at that um yeah we'll leave it now i'll try and weave it into some of the some of the other questions or when i go through the answers about more kind of the strategy side i think I'll, i'll get those points into there i think Awesome. And before we get into those questions, what advice would you have to someone starting out, you know, now or within the next couple of weeks on Football Index? Yeah, I think I think the way that the product has grown um, is certainly different to how when I first started. Uh, I think the advice right now is there's so many um, trends within the market. It can be sometimes a little bit overwhelming. I think it's always good advice to kind of start small. Um, start small. And there's one quote that I, I came across when I started investing, which was um, trade small because that's when you are as bad as you are ever going to be. Learn from your mistakes. And I think a lot of traders could uh, do with trying to kind of walk before they run. Uh, it's, it's so easy to kind of be in this football manager mode where you think you know a lot um, and everyone will think like you. But the index, it, you'll probably very quickly find that not everybody thinks like you. Uh, another piece of advice as well is to is to kind of listen more, especially on things like Twitter and Slack. Um, just spend a lot of time listening to, to other people and, and understand all the different kind of opinions and views others have. You may not necessarily agree with them, um, but try and understand where everybody's trying to come from. Um, I always say there's kind of three sides to every coin. You've got heads, you've got tails, and then you've got the edge where a lot of people kind of sit on the fence and don't really have a view on either side, but it's important to to, to listen and also watch the market as well there's things that happen and you kind of common most common one of the most common questions is why has such and such fallen or why has such and such risen um and and it's trying to kind of you won't have the answer straight away but the more you kind of listen to others you probably find the answers to those questions uh, in various places and i'm a, I'm a big believer as well that newbies and, and new traders you know be curious be curious ask lots of questions you know be be really kind of one of these annoying uh people that always constantly ask questions because i fully respect those who ask lots of questions because they want to learn they, they want to learn so i'm all up for kind of helping helping anyone who's got lots of questions Mm. And I think what you said there is quite important. The why is he rising? Why is he falling? Questions are so, so commonly asked in the yeah. football index community. But I think one of the main things to acknowledge is that sometimes there isn't a reason, right? The yeah. market is still thin from not a futures bought perspective or sold perspective, but from a simply capital perspective. You know, it doesn't take that much money to make a player rise or fall, which therefore means that one trader can have a big effect on prices downwards or upwards and i think football index traders need to kind of be a bit more aware of that yeah absolutely and i think you know uh, for someone who's quite involved in the slack community um one of the most common answers is ej has bought or don has bought (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's as simple as that you know these big traders and like you said market's still very thin it just takes one person to to put a lot of money into a player and and you'll see those rises um or, or falls as well yep Exactly. Right. Well, before we get into the questions, I just need to plug a few things. If you guys haven't seen my stuff on YouTube, please do head over there. Just type in Football Index Guide on YouTube. I have promised many videos that I just haven't got around to doing due to uh, having the flu recently and lots of work stuff popping up. And which also made me miss out the latest uh, Football Index blog 
that was totally my fault, but also Liam has had some uh, university exams, so we skipped that week and we'll be back next. Uh, if you guys want to hear my voice on the State of Play podcast, head over to that. That is just about football and not about Football Index. That's with uh, Matt Santangelo, and that's all about the top five leagues in Europe and uh, the MLS. If you want to collaborate with me or sponsor the podcast or any of that good stuff, hit me up on football.index.guide at gmail.com and my Twitter DMs are open so you can catch me on either of those and last but not least please do subscribe to the show if you haven't already and leave a review if it's been helping you out on your Football Index journey. But now on to the questions. So the first one is from Football Index Focus who was a guest a few weeks ago and a very good one at that. If hyped players outside PB leagues, for example Greedish, Bruno Fernandes and Frankie de Jong move to a PB league this summer and don't reproduce good scores and obviously no transfer spec having just moved how will that impact on non-PB player pricing going forward? I think that's a good question um, and one which probably has a, uh, an almost an element of is it impossible to tell and we can only really go on uh, two seasons worth of PB data um, and We've had one summer where it was kind of uh, filled with the World Cup. So there was almost an element of a few players who've been signed in that summer, moved into uh, PB leagues and and how they have performed. And it's still kind of, there's so much hype around some of these players moving to um, FI friendly teams, for example, Manchester United, obviously. there's a lot of expectations that they'll they'll fit right in and what they've produced at their current clubs will be the same. And I think, you know, I'm a big believer and I, I prefer to kind of buy at a premium once uh, a player has actually proven that they can do it. And I think a good example of that is probably someone like um, Paqueta at uh, AC Milan, where there was huge hype around him and he'll he'll kind of hit the ground running. And I don't think he actually has. Um, he has a PB average of 41 uh, from 13 games and his top score is 144. Uh, uh, top score is 144. And I think on the flip side of that, you look at someone like Axel Witzel, who's settled in absolutely brilliantly at Dortmund with a great PB average. He's won dividends. He's, he's scoring well. So there's an element of um, every player is kind of unique to where they're going um, and how they settle in into that team. I think there's a lot of talk at the moment of, of players moving to, you know, if they move to Man United, they've got additional value. Whereas if they move to Man City, they've got less value if you're talking from a media perspective. But then also the types of um, the, the style of football each of these teams play. Are they likely to move to a team that is a possession-based team? Are they likely to move to a team that are more direct, in which case it impacts performance as well? So I think there's lots of things to consider, but um, it's almost like the expectations that when they move to a, a PB league, that they'll reproduce the same results as when they were at, at their teams in the previous season. Yeah, I think there's one thing that I want to pick up on and you mentioned quite early on in your kind of uh, monologue there which is is there maybe a misunderstanding of which teams are actually FI friendly because there's kind of been this kind of obsession with Napoli and certain other teams is is there also that that is kind of throwing a spanner in the works yeah I, I think again it comes back down to P- 
F5 friendly teams on, you've got media on the media side and then you've obviously got um, on the on the match day with the PB side as well. I was having a look at some um, stats done by Football Index AS who produces some uh, useful stats on uh, match day dividend payouts per league. And it was actually interesting to see that the payouts, the first place, um, most payouts are paid in Premier League. Uh, followed by La Liga, followed by Bundesliga, followed by League One, and then in last place is uh, Serie A. So, and you know, I've also seen kind of rumours of players moving to Juventus, for example. Now, if you look at this from a league perspective, is is moving to the Serie A or moving to a team in Serie A actually any beneficial to moving to La Liga, for example? So, I think there's lots of different types of. Um, data that you can use to make a bit more of an informed decision of where they move and then what's the likelihood or what's the probability of that player um, adapting well. Just a little thing on AS's notes. I know I had discussions with him about kind of how those leagues have moved around since the first season of PB, where I believe Bundesliga was last. Yeah at first and Serie A did quite well and this season I think Bundesliga has done a bit better uh, compared to that first uh, season of data so again I think back to what you said right at the start of the show where we've only had two seasons of PB, PB data the sample size the sample size is still pretty small yeah 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 mm. But we'll move on to the next question. Uh, this is from Sean Fi, but brilliant answers there, man. Um, I'm struggling to convince friends to join the platform as they feel they need to put a lot of money in to see small returns. How can Fi address these types of potential customers or do I need to work on my sales pitch? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question because um, I've, I've had this scenario before and to be honest, I've never really had an experience where somebody has gone, oh, well, you need to invest a lot of money in order to make a lot of money. Um, where I've kind of struggled with uh, in terms of pitching FI is the amount of time somebody has to dedicate to it. And they've said, oh, I've gone through, you know, all the ins and outs of, of how football index works. And they've gone, oh, it sounds quite complex. And how much time do I actually have to devote with it? Because football is so fast moving. Um, every day, you know, there's things happening, there's things going on, and the, and the perception is that you have to be on it every day. Um, and it very much de- depends on on how much budget you've got, how much time you've got to devote to it. I also think, you know, there's this percentages game. Football index for me is a percentages game. So somebody winning £100 from £1,000, is the same as winning ten pounds from a hundred. Both made ten percent. Um, however, you know, from a ten pounds, what you're going to do with it? Whereas someone winning a hundred pounds, you could probably do a little bit more. Um, but that's where I think sometimes objectives help as well. I've got friends who, who are quite happy just to play with a uh, hundred pound to try and grow that to two hundred fifty quid, just so that they can buy a PS4 at the end of the season. You know, that that that's that's just it. And and I think there's there's um, football index can appeal to any of these kind of small portfolios as opposed to somebody with a, a large you know six figure portfolio it just depends on uh, what you want to do with it and i've always kind of when i've explained football index to my friends family i've always said to them and i've always kind of tried to manage their expectation of 
from the start, which is, you know, what do you want to get out of it? And I think that, you know, as we talk about strategy a little bit later on, um, objectives help in trying to understand or, or try and kind of manage one's expectations when they, when they, when you're trying to sell football index. Yeah, I think there's a few things. People compare it to kind of traditional gambling in the sense that you can put on an accumulator and have the potential to win, you know, a hundred times your money. But the likelihood of that happening is so slim. And I think I've mentioned on this podcast maybe a hundred million times, I tried to drill it into people's heads that only about two to five percent of punters or or gamblers actually win uh, uh, long term against the bookies. And those a a large percentage of those guys are actually professional gamblers. So I think there's a kind of marketing side of things where football index can kind of use the um kind of average spend of a gambler over a year and i don't know where they'd find that data whether or not that data could be actually um findable or or actually easily acquired but if they use kind of data to that end to kind of pitch football index against it and saying well this is what the average gambler spends a year, which is say, let's say, I don't know, 350 to 400 pounds. And this is how much they win or what they are ROI wise. And let's say the average is minus 60%. Um, you can then pitch that against kind of the average in the growth period that we've had on Football Index, um, what what the average kind of ROI is there. And I also think that what you said about um, expectation is quite important. I've got friends who have um, thousands of pounds in the index and I've got friends who have got hundreds of pounds in the index and they're doing it for different reasons and they all enjoy it the same way. And that's the same uh, thing, I guess, you know, as, as what you talked about beforehand there's going to be people who enjoy it with 100 quid and there's going to be people who see no point in it it's kind of like uh, i guess in a similar way in gambling if someone doesn't win 10 times in a row they might stop yeah 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 and absolutely um i, I used to be like that as well and i've never really been a much of a gambler um when i say gambler i mean kind of you know putting the accumulators and the first score of bets and all that sort of stuff um occasionally i do and and i kind of play with very very small amounts of money but uh i I love the idea of get rich slowly you know it's it's the idea of i prefer to um i I really kind of buy into the whole um football index slogan which is you know your bet never it doesn't end at the final whistle or something like that um and i quite like that idea and and that's why one thing i do is say that to, to people that um, I, I talk to Football Index about is your bet doesn't end at the final whistle. You know, you've still got the next match and there's forward planning of uh, looking for players who've got decent fixtures and, and all of a sudden you kind of get them thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I, I lost about 10, 15 quid this weekend, whereas you could put 10, 15 quid into Football Index, put it on a player and, you know, watch it grow or you don't have to, you won't lose all your money. You can kind of put them onto the market and the different ways you, you can sell. And, and all of a sudden their eyes light up. They think, oh, okay, well, that sounds interesting. And and that's where you kind of uh, start selling the benefits of a of, of football index as opposed to kind of the traditional betting route. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've we've went through that question quite thoroughly. Uh, the, the next question is from Football Index MDJ, otherwise known as Mel, who was on the podcast last week, and she was awesome. And I accidentally live streamed that podcast, so if any of you guys watched, I think there was uh, almost two hundred people who accidentally watched that one. I'm sorry, and I apologise to Mel as well because we actually didn't do anything for the first twenty five minutes as we tried to f- sort out some tech issues. So for all of you who watched live, uh, I guess you know you've seen the unadulterated kind of unpolished version 
version of the podcast <laughs> and for all of you who listened to in the you know post-production more polished version i thank you as well but her question is what do you think is the likelihood of football index becoming a truly mainstream product within the next two years and what needs to change revolve if anything for this to happen yeah, so I saw that question on um, on Twitter, and I, and I think there was a response to that tweet where somebody asked, "What do you mean, or how do you define mainstream?" Um, and I think that's what I wanted to kind of clarify as well. Um, I kind of think of mainstream as something that everybody has heard about, or, or seen, or aware of. Um, try and compare that to to music. Um, my thinking of when when a song is in the charts that means it's mainstream um when there's a company that advertises on tv is that also classed as mainstream you know when they're advertising alongside the likes of uh, bet365 betfred um you'd almost kind of consider if you see a company on 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 tv that they are mainstream and there's this kind of um, what does mainstream actually mean? I'm quite to see football index advertised on Talk Sport, uh, a perimeter advertising at you know big games. They're on Sky Sports in in you know big profile games as well. Is that not mainstream? Yeah, I I, I kind of asked the same question to be honest. Um, I think the first time this question's been asked, and I think it's been asked a few times. I kind of talked about what football index need to do to have millions of users right but i do actually think it depends on what your definition is and i think you're completely right um it's it's a hard one to answer isn't it because football index could be truly amazingly successful with only one million users overall in the uk say do you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah um it's mainstream judged by the number of users uh brand awareness i think a key thing is you know I, i'm lucky enough to have one of these football index hoodies um and my little lad plays plays football uh, on a wednesday um and I've, you know, do we do we call mainstream at the point where i go to my uh, little lad's football coaching lesson and some of the dads ask me oh so you're on football index i've heard of that uh is that mainstream um, so yeah, it's a difficult one to answer, but I think you know, in terms of momentum, we're on the right path. You know, look at the growth of the the index over the last eighteen twenty four months, or certainly since I've been on anyway. Um, I think where it may or when you know, going back to the question, which is where does it need to change or evolve? I think one of the things that may need to change or evolve is is the whole trust and confidence side of things. I think they've got a long way to go in establishing trust, confidence. There's still people who come on there on, on Twitter and it's a scam. We've still got these same old arguments as two years ago um, about what it is. And I think that's the perception, outside perception of, of, of Football Index. Why, why are we still getting these kind of, is it a scam or, I'm not sure why that still still exists, even though um, we see the football index uh, brand all over the place, mm. all over the place. I think uh, it depends where you are in the UK as well. I'm London based. I don't know where you're based, but it's, um, you know, with the tube and the bus advertisements, it's definitely become a bit more of a thing here. Yeah, no, I think, I think that the whole London thing makes sense because, you know, it's a financial capital. It's where the money is and, and part of it is who does Football Index want to attract uh, or what type of uh, people do Football Index want to attract. And, and like you say, yeah, it depends. If you're in Manchester, you may never have really seen any outdoor advertising or any kind of um, 
like you said, the London bus tubes and the, uh, I think they did some recent advertising on um, buses and all, all that sort of stuff. And it depends on where you are, but I still believe that London is, is still, you know, a, a big opportunity. It's a financial capital. And if you're after kind of these financial institutions, traders, big money traders, if that's where they're at, then London's the right place. And still, part of me still wonders sometimes who Football Index's perfect audience is, or who are they really trying to target? Are they trying to target the, you know, FPL crowd, which many traders seem to think they're trying to do, or is it the financial side, um, more kind of investment traders, big money, big money folk? In which case, London's mm, perfect job for that. The big money folk are people that they probably want to target just because of the way uh, gambling models or business models are, right? They rely on big fish. You, you mentioned yeah. Big Don and EJ. Those guys are, you know, Football Index's main sources of income to some extent because, you know, there's no reason Football Index would employ an account manager for the top 100 Football Index accounts if those top 100 accounts weren't important to them. Do you know what I mean? So I think those... those absolutely, would, yeah, That absolutely. would kind of... Uh, lead me to believe that they um, they are targeting that more than the other kind of target markets. But there's no, no reason why they can't look at, you know, FPL players, um, people who play fa- uh, football manager or, or, you know, trade on um, football uh, FIFA ultimate team, whatever it is, right? Like there's no reason people uh, that they, they can't target those areas. But I think we'll move on to, to the next question. This is from uh, Football Index Dragon. I notice you tend to answer a lot of people's queries on Twitter about the platform and engage with a lot of users thanks this really helped me when i first started by the way how do you think fi can improve their comms are there any common queries you see okay so um yeah i think just kind of split that into into two common queries it's always around deadlines um very very kind of active on index game slack community and on twitter most common queries around uh can i buy now can i sell now will i still qualify for dividends i think um you've mentioned this on various podcasts already about the whole onboarding side of things uh when you're a new trader there's a lot to understand um to try and get a grasp of uh, deadlines payouts uh, what qualifies what leads qualify all of these sort of things but the most common ones are always around um uh, deadlines and and payouts as well uh, the other common question you always get is is how did a player actually score so high um, and it's the awareness of the performance uh, buzz matrix the scoring matrix um, and when you actually kind of go through the game winning goal for example and this is one I'm just going to pick as an example and I always uh, tell people to listen to the the podcast with yourself and buzzing Paul where he explains a stacking system um, and and when you explain that a game-winning goal actually includes win, shot, shot on target, goal, and the game-winning goal, and it's actually worth 106, all of a sudden, that's where they go, all oh, right, so you know, the 190 scored, you know, half half of that, or just over half of that, is actually just from one event. And that's when you kind of, that's when they go, okay, well, what about a cross? Cross equals a pass and an assist. Somebody scores off a cross. And that sort of, you know, I love helping people understand the whole scoring side of things and they're, they're the kind of two most common areas which are deadlines and how, what actually makes up um, or, or breakdown of a score and in, in terms of in communications from FI side I think they could do a lot more 
in helping users understand those areas. I think there's always been a case of uh, being able to, you know, break down a player's score, show the number of crosses, show the number of uh, passes, show the, and we have to go to other external sources like Sofa Score or Who Scored to try and kind of make an educated guess on on why that particular player has scored what they what what they can. But in terms of communications, I think in, when I joined Football Index back in 2017, you know, they weren't even using email. Um, most of their communication was done on Twitter. And I still kind of believe that why are they still using Twitter as their main comm source? Well, because isn't, isn't that where the like, Twitter, most the audiences? I know it's kind of a strange way to think about it, but email comms are kind of slightly a thing in the past. They're still, you know, pre- uh, like quite, uh, you know, uh, they're quite they're still obviously very commonly used by a lot of digitally based companies but i do think there's that thing where a lot of companies these days are using blogs their own blogs they're using twitter a lot more and yeah. it's working for these digital brands so i don't know why football index would look kind of backwards rather than forwards if that makes sense i i'm never certain that you know i don't i get why people think it should be email only or this only but there's no reason why twitter can't be their main focal point in terms of communications because it is instantaneous isn't it yeah absolutely i think you know it's, it's, uh, where i was trying to come from was that you know email wasn't used yeah, yeah no of course if i if i now use email and they also you know do instagram they also do put messages on facebook they also um put messages on 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 twitter um as well and it, where I think it could improve is going back to the whole common questions that are asked, which is deadlines, um, you know, increase in, in push notifications, um, having the app where you can have a functionality where you can set, you know, enable notifications for reminders or including the uh, PV matrix into the app as well. I think we're all kind of more mobile first as well. Um, I'm from a marketing background. I work with a lot of companies where you know, mobile first has, has become more of a thing um, and it's grown in popularity as well. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think you know it, it's they're getting there, and it's, they're using all the channels um, as effectively as they can. I think it always comes down to the, the common thing as well, which is resources. Um, how, how, you know, what can they do over and above what they're doing now? They can always be looking to improve. Where are the priorities as a business as well? So yeah, I think I think they're they're kind of heading in the right way. Um, obviously we can all say they can always improve in it we're always going to get mm. that i think i do think some of you know some of the most commonly answered questions is i think we, we talked about it before why has this player gone up why has this player gone down and the, the actual mechanics of the index is something that i think it's hard to teach you know i've made like loads of videos now and people are still asking those questions so i think it's one of those things where you just have to be on the product for for three months or so to, to understand but we'll move on to the next question which is from fi gardener uh, can fi do more with onboarding offers is the 500 pounds risk-free for a week enough or could they offer other ways to keep new users interested maybe a match deposit bonus with bonus having to uh for, uh, a bonus for having kept to fi for a certain amount of time yeah um this reminds me of kind of january uh when they really pushed the 500 risk-free uh period was that it was in january wasn't it when they yeah yeah yeah. it was uh, the um when they did push the... uh try january right so it was that you could you could try instead of the week it was for a whole month that's right yeah yeah and i think you know 
that seemed to have worked really well. We saw an influx of new traders. Uh, we certainly saw new money entering the market. Um, I think it worked really well for them. The flip side of that is how many, you know, what we will probably won't know is uh, the churn, uh, how many actually stuck around and whether 500 risk-free works better than maybe uh, something where they offer a demo account for a month where you actually fully experience um, a full trend or a full cycle, for example. Um, so it depends on what works for, for football index. I, I'm certainly, you know, I think 500 risk-free is, is certainly seems to be working in terms of pulling punters in. Um, I'd certainly like to see um, a, a, a demo account. I think we may have discussed this on a podcast previously uh, where you might have a 14 or even a 13-day um, demo account with a, a, a sum of money that you you decide whether you want to demo it with a hundred or a thousand, so you fully experience what what football index is about. And, and by the time you've finished your trial, you're fully aware of um, how it works, and you're probably more confident to then further deposit and, and, and stay on board. I don't know what, what are your thoughts. Um, in, in- I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't there? There's, I think there's pros and cons to so many different ways of doing this. I think there's the demo account is something that I I think could work well if you could replicate the market dynamics. I'm just trying to think of how you would make it so someone is playing with fake money on the same index as someone who's playing on it with real money, if that makes sense. Do you think there'd be some... Yeah, I, I just feel yeah. like there'd be some complications arising there. And I think there's one thing that Football Index can't do just because of simply how the product is lining up now and kind of the tech issues that we've we've seen uh, arise is that they can't make it more complex yeah yeah i think the seven days is it enough to really sell football index and experience i think you're, you're right in saying the demo account playing with almost fake money uh, one of the things one of the points i'd like to make as well is that emotions take make a big part in, in is it very easy to panic you're not going to experience that with a demo account. You're only ever really going to experience that when you're actually playing with your own money um, and, and you're risking your own your own cash. Uh, but I think one of the things that a demo account or one of the advantages of demo account is how the platform actually works, how to sell. You know, what's the difference between instant sell and market sell? How do you actually market sell? Um, seeing the the, the the Friday rise and then the Monday crash. Remember those sort of uh, cycles, um, and then actually experiencing maybe you know even fourteen days worth of IPDs. If you if you have that opportunity to just look at two weeks worth of fixtures, uh, a team will only ever play once, maybe or twice in a week. If it's a, if you happen to join um, during a Champions League week, you might see a team play three times in your seven-day risk-free. So it's just trying to kind of balance up um, how to make the most of that duration. I'm not sure what works for for FI. Is getting them in as quickly as possible and converting them into a customer as quickly as possible more beneficial than that kind of slightly slower approach, but you might see more of a, 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 more of a lifetime value in that customer um, or, the, or that trader? Mm. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I think th- there's so yeah, many. There's no, there's no there's right a... answer, I guess. But um, it, no, it's one of those things that I think yeah. the index are going to just have to 
try and see if it works and see if it doesn't similarly to try january but we'll uh, we'll move on and this next section is all about your your kind of football index strategy so uh, we'll try and rattle through these because there's quite a few uh rob phillips who was also at these uh the drinks that we we had a chat uh with him about uh, i like your recent strategy for the summer please er- elaborate on the podcast uh good for new money to hear a pragmatic approach to investing so let's talk about your uh summer strategy yeah, so some strategy is is really around preparation for next season. Um, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm, I hate. Uh, I kind of admit I'm not very good at the whole transfer media side of things. Um, I, I don't like to kind of um, wake up in the morning and find that a news story has just completely been blown to pieces, and um, I'm having to kind of almost be on it all the time. So what my strategy over the summer is, I've, I've got a lump of cash, which is uh, £1,500. And to split that over six to eight, or split into six to eight chunks, and just spend those chunks uh, weekly into PB players over the summer. And I'm, lots of traders talk about trying to catch the bottom in PB players. Whereas I'm quite happy to, to just keep buying on the way down and hopefully at some point I will catch that bottom um, when traders start to buy in. So if, we all talk about money still to come out of PB players, but I don't know when. So I'm quite happy just to start buying now because the likes of Thiago, Kimmich, uh, Kramaric, Savanier, if he does decide to end up moving, Alba, uh, VVD, they're all, you know, Parejo, they're all going to be. Um, big players again next year so I'm quite happy and still confident that um, they'll produce again next season I just want to be in a better position come August than where I'm at now so my strategy for the summer is just to split the money and scale into these players very slowly and be in a good position in August and hopefully somewhere in between then I'll have caught the upturn as well and I'll be in a better position or I'll have more of a weighting into those players going to into next next season. I'm kind of not trying to avoid summer entirely, but just literally kind of play my own game um, and, and play, stick to my guns of what I know works for me and my lifestyle as well. Uh, I'm very much kind of a PB-focused um, trader. So that works for me and it will allow me to sleep at night throughout <laughs> the summer and enjoy summer as well with my family that, that's, as well. That's lovely <laughs> and, a, and a great way to look at it. Are you, are you not scared that some of these guys won't replicate their PB performances of last year? I mean, some of them, for example, you know, Cramerich that you've listed here was not good two seasons ago and same with Savonier. Um, they were only good this season. Is there a situation that would make you n- stop topping up those guys or maybe sell them over the summer? Yeah, I, I, I have... Holding all of these players, I think, like I said before, which is we've only had two seasons worth of data. Now, the players um, who have um, performed last season and performed this season, you can probably kind of go, well, okay, well, they're more than likely to perform again next season. Um, so it's, it's still a little bit of a gamble, but I'm going on the basis that if they've performed twice, already, then more than likely they'll perform again. I think the example of Kramerich, I think it's more of an end-of-season um, hint that he's taken on this slightly different role in terms of how he plays for Hoffenheim. He's behind, he's playing a little bit more deeper, he's picking up the ball. I expect him to play in that role again next season. So I'm almost kind of um, positioning myself in the expe- on the expectation that he's going to be playing in that same position 
um, next season as well. He's still relatively cheap for the scores he produces, and he's always there or thereabouts in the top three, four, five. Um, I think he's pumped up some really good scores recently as well. So, yeah, there's a few punts in there, but there's also some safety holes who more than likely will produce again mm. next season. Mm. Well, we'll move on to the next question, which is from Desi Ballers. Uh, what are your thoughts on strategies on FI? Should one stick to a single strategy or keep changing as the market changes? What do you think might be beneficial and what do you practice yourself? Okay, so I, I, firstly, I just want to say you know, it's important to have one. Um, <laughs> you know, what kind of, there's so many different strategies. Um, there's those that flip and that suits them. There's those that buy and hold that suits them. There's some that, you know, pick lots of different types of um, players and, and it's whatever's right for you. And I think sometimes it's a case of a little bit, takes a little bit of experimentation before you find what's right for you. Uh, I'm very much a, like I said before, a get rich slowly approach by um, a, a mix of players uh, for PB, for MB, and then also growth going for, going forward. And I kind of mix it up. And I don't really kind of like to deviate too far from switching strategies. Um, I know there's these cycles during the summer, uh, you get media and then during this season, it's all about PB and then you get Champions League. But I also like to kind of look at the cost of switching strategies uh, going back to kind of my investing in stocks and shares, one of the things I was taught very early on was uh, to keep your costs as small as possible. Um, and what's the cost of switching strategies? And, and I think sometimes you have to look at that uh, as part of your strategy as well. If you're feeling uncomfortable with your current strategy and you have to switch, what's it going to cost you to, to kind of switch and, and how much will you have to then make up to at least just break even? Um, so th- there's lots of things to cut, consider, but I think anyone who's got a strat- strategy in the first place, whether it's um, a goal, whether you're looking to just, you know, pay off a car or put a deposit, having some sort of goal in mind will help you determine what sort of strategy you need and over what time frame. So if you're looking for... Um, you know, you need to make three grand in in 12, 12 months. That might help you then to determine what kind of strategy you need. You might need to punt a little bit more on on you know the risky holes and expect big capital appreciation. Whereas if you're looking three years, you can afford to kind of take a few bumps along the road and and keep getting those dividend earners. Um, but like I said, it's been difficult to try and gauge what strategy. I don't think there is a right strategy. It's just trying to work out what's right for you. And, and because we've only had two seasons. Uh, one of those summers has been filled with the World Cup. This summer is the first summer where we've actually really not got anything, where, where we're, we're now having to think about next season already. And then next season, we're going to have the Euros. So, you know, it's kind of this summer is very much a learning curve for everybody. In my yeah, opinion. it's going to be uh, certainly an interesting one. Uh, the next question is from Tick Tack Tack Tick. The names are getting better and better every week. Uh, what, what do you prefer? Uh, following the trend and buying or scalping bullish markets, or trading the swing or tra- like swing trading and finding your inner bear, uh, sitting out these trends for possibly larger returns, uh, but with good stop loss exit points. So there's a lot of kind of trading terminology that's that's happened in that sentence. Do you want to kind of? go through some of those for example scalp bullish swing trading bear markets um stop loss do you want to explain a few of those before you yeah. actually go into your question yeah so 
the bullish markets is kind of one particular sector or one particular segment that's seeing lots of growth. I think a good example of that might be this uh, the you know, youth market, where it's been a bullish trend over a long period of time in buying youngsters and the, the prices continue to go up, which is one tra- trend. Um, and then there's the, uh, I think you may have covered um, with the podcast with the guys from Index Game, where looking at contrarian going in the opposite direction, um, trying to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing, wait for that cycle to come back round again. But there's also the the scalping and and the flippers side of things where you spot a quick opportunity, you're in and you're out, um, or you're buying for a very short period of time where you have a stop loss, where um, a stop loss essentially where you will have a price target in your mind um, where you want to exit that trade from to try and minimize you know losing too much capital so there's lots of yeah like you said there's lots of things in that question that need to be considered but from from my side uh, it's very much um trying to kind of identify what the next trend is going to be um i'm already looking as far ahead to euro 2020 um, and trying to find who will be playing international football throughout the next uh, throughout next season, and then almost be positioning myself to to kind of be in that position, ready for when people are buying those who are going to make the squads next season. Um, I'm not a good flipper. I'm not a good um, person. I don't like the whole. I don't know when to get in and quick, quickly get out. That's my kind of weakness. And I'm fully, I'm fully aware of what my weaknesses are. So I kind of try and stay away from any of these kind of swing trades. So yeah, for me, it's very much kind of the slow, slow approach. Um, and you get very different um, opinions. But I think the key thing, and with every type of trader, the one thing that they will all probably agree on is to cut losses quickly so everybody will say, you know, this is the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. This is the good thing to do right now. And they've all got different opinions. But one thing they probably all will have in common is to cut losses quickly. As Have at some point um, where you will exit that trade. And I think that's quite a key thing to, to understand. There are a lot of people who have kind of done the contrarian side of thing very successfully. There are people who have kind of... Um, done the following the trend thing very successfully so I think you've got to try it all when you're at the beginning of your kind of football index journey and see what works best for you uh, it's very cliche to say but it's it's just true um, I do I do think with the stop loss exit points it's a bit different to kind of um, a more matured market where you know stop losses are employed by pretty much you know 80 90 plus percent of traders out there who are kind of more day trading, etc., or uh, more short-term trading. I don't think it kind of applies to football index as much, and I think we talked about this on the the podcast with Index Gain, where in a in a market which is very immature and also um, for more of gamblers rather than kind of traders, uh, it, it's kind of harder to think with a you know pro trader hat on. Um, but I guess that could be a whole another podcast, couldn't it? But the the next question is from uh, FIPL. TP uh, cash do you try and have a certain amount of it in your bank to jump on opportunities you spot or are you in the opinion it's not earning if it's sat there I often end up instant selling to find an opportunity which isn't clever yeah um, tricky one because it's easy to say 
uh, yeah, good to have cash, but also at the same time, it's so easy to spend it. Um, and so I, I kind of have an, uh, I always try to keep at least 50, 50, maybe maximum a hundred pound, uh, which works out to about 2%, uh, one or 2% maybe, uh, of cash at any one time and and just have it sitting there i kind of make a mental note that it's my overdraft and i shouldn't really touch it until unless a really good opportunity arises i think because i'm so pb focused i'm only ever looking at drops or potential opportunities to top up on pb players uh an example is a recent drop on um uh, a lot of PB players over the last few weeks. Uh, Insane, I think, for, for Napoli had dropped a, a fair amount, but there was a, a lot of money that was put into Insane around transfer speculation. However, if you're looking at PB, it still generates decent PB scores. It's been very, very unlucky. That would have been a good time to have some cash maybe aside to, to just top up. Um, and there's various kind of opportunities. So I do keep some money aside uh, just for opportunities where PB players um, uh, drop and it allows me to give me an entry point or a top-up mm. point. Uh, really interesting stuff there. And I think uh, you've, you've answered these strategy questions so, so well. Um, the, the next question, which isn't about strategy, is uh, Trumps from Twitter, who says, I've seen, I've been trying to explain the index to a number of financial professionals recently. Interestingly, they seem to have a similar stance, i.e. not everybody can be making money. Somebody has to be losing. Do you think this is true? And what should my response be to them? Uh, look, FI is, is, is growing. Everybody's winning. Um, it's, it's, it's not, I wouldn't class it as your conventional kind of financial instrument, which is what maybe they might be comparing it to, um, where there's always somebody else on the other side of the trade. Um, on this side of it is we're obviously betting against or betting against um, the house, which is football index. So um, whereas when the market is still growing, we're all winning. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky one because I'm not sure whether it's a perception of football index and how it's kind of kind of perceived. Um, but we're way, we're, we're way off, you know, market saturation. I still think there's you know, loads of growth um, still still to be had. It's not like um, you know placing a bet on Betfair. Whether you placed a bet uh, two years ago, whether you play, you're still kind of in that same situation. Whereas with football index, you kind of the, the earlier you get in the platform itself and all the prices and on the, and the um, market cap is still growing. So we all grow with it. So I think it's kind of one of the, it's an, again, another interesting question, but uh, I think we're still in this growth point where there shouldn't really be anybody mm. that's losing. And again, there are losers though. We have to be, you know, we saw Callan Hudson Adoya a couple of weeks back, uh, like go down a significant amount we've seen you know Ibrahimovic uh, Griezmann we've seen loads of players drop ridiculous amounts recently so um, there are people who do lose money that's definitely for sure but um, yeah in this current stage where money is entering the market um, it's it's definitely harder to lose than it is to win I think the the kind of question is that you have to or for the next need to work out is what happens when the there is market uh, saturation. Um, is that kind of a thing where traders need to realign their expectations, or is there going to be something else that comes in that makes it a bit more volatile? I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah. I think what's there talk about? You know, things like um, trying to get market makers involved, and you know, went to order books and all of these sort of things. I think it's got the 
we've we've had signals of sophistication, if that's what you want to call it, um, heading in the right direction. But yeah, like I said, there's still loads of growth to be had, and I think football index will will kind of adapt to that once they'll be fully aware when when saturation point is about is in sight basically okay uh next question is from the boy riley what do you think the index will look like in five years time my gosh yeah so i i i still think it'll be blue um i still think we'll have this ticker and i still 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 think the beta website will still be beta um but i, I think it's you know it's constantly evolving it's, it's a very very difficult um question to answer because it's still it's in this grey area of betting, fantasy football, drafts, kings, and all this sort of um, traditional betting, and it's, it's kind of merged all of these things together. Now, which while which way or which uh, one does it slightly veer more into and away from another? Um, I think it's still kind of. Uh, unexplainable in terms of what it will look like in five years time i certainly think you know the way football index is going at the moment we certainly you know a good target three million users you know this is sort of like the aspirational things that we want want to see um i still personally my own opinion is that you know looking at management of football index um mr big ac is uh is started lots of companies and he sold them on. You know, it's football index moving towards a period where they're building the business in order to um, sell it on. You know, who knows? Uh, it it gets it gets into that stage where some it gets bought out by one of the let's call them mainstream betting companies now. Um, or do they, you know, get to that stage where this is the, you know, AC turns around and goes, this is the big one. This is the one that we turn into a, a global platform um, where football index becomes, you know, which market do you want to play in? Do you want to play in the UK market? Do you want to play in the uh, top five PB leagues? Do you want to play in the MLS? Do you want to the rest of the world? You know, there's people who are knowledgeable in all sorts of area geographies. So, it could be anything, but I certainly see football index in five years' time as, as a certainly way, way bigger than where it is now. How the platform evolves and, and grows into different markets is is probably something that is a little bit more kind of vague <laughs> in my. I think it's yeah. impossible to say, right? I mean, I've been there since. Um you know, January 2016. If you asked me then what Football Index would look like in three years' time, I don't think I could have given you a good answer. So I think it's really... No. And it, it, wouldn't, it probably wouldn't have been exactly the answer to what mm, we see it today. Is, it, is, it is tough, in... right? But I do, I, do, I, I do think that notion of kind of more of a global audience getting this into the EU, potentially in the US, could be really interesting. Um I would wonder what that would look like from a from a just a football index community standpoint, and what a market standpoint would look like. That. Um, but uh, the next question is from Fi Mo. Uh, which index game report uh, have you had most success with for finding players? No, so I think Fi Mo must know that I tweet a lot about uh, some of the data on index game using Buzz Pro. So um, I, I use the Advanced Player Screener report a, a lot and. Is to pick out players in positions where, for, uh, just an example, there's defenders who shoot a lot. So I'll just have a look at uh, the advanced player screener report. I'll filter by shots and shots on target, filtered by position. Um, I'll then look at uh, the index gain metric implied dividend yield um, and look at what they potentially could have won. I'll then look at 
putting together a bit of a short list i'll head over to another good report which is a player form report which allows you to look at um, their scores over the last x number of weeks so you can choose your date frame so i can see you know somebody might have a pb average of um, 100 and something but most of their good scores came at the beginning of the season so it's slightly skewed and i want to eliminate those where they've picked up great scores at the beginning of seasons, but have petered off as the season has progressed. And I think Suso might be a good example of that. Um, I want to find players that are performing well recently and what might be causing their their scores to be quite high. Um, I'll also use the fixture difficulty report um, to see who's got the easiest fixtures coming up, even from an IPD perspective or whether it's a um, PB perspective. And then I'll look at advanced, advanced their advanced price movement report a uh, bit of a mouthful there, um, to see if any players um, have been missed by other traders. So it, what it does is it shows you who's uh, the price changes over the last seven days. And I'll look in the middle, I'll look at the naught, no zero pence, or the one pence, or the minus one pence, and I'll look to see if any of those players are found in my shortlist are in those, and I'll look to probably just scale in at that point by a little bit, because then they're on my radar. And I always find that if I don't buy them, I tend to forget about them. And then I kind of discover them after they've shot up 20p. And I think, oh, I was just looking at that player two weeks ago. So what I do is I just tend to buy a little bit and then they're on my radar and, and they're just interesting for me. And, and I see them and I follow them a little mm, bit more uh, closely. Very meticulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next question or the, the kind of little section we've got here is all about tech issues. So we've been very positive about the Olympics so far, haven't we? But um, the, the next yeah, have, question yeah. is Mike make us change our tune quite slightly so first question is from fpl addict um chris who's been on the podcast before and he was very good when he came on how do you see the prices uh now that the share split has kicked in do you think there is still substantial growth for at least a year especially into next season on onboarding as onboarding ramps up and lastly do you think the recent issues or are blips or a bigger threat to the product being mainstream or more mainstream Jimmy, yeah, I think okay. That's the first question, which is uh, impact of the share split and the prices. Um, it certainly helped, but I still find um, the share split is very much more beneficial from a psychological perspective. Um, it certainly helped. I still think the dividends on paper still, you know, if, if, you, if you're a new trader looking at the dividend payouts you'd think 2p and 1p and the odd you know uh where where we've got a star man which is on a triple uh, treble day which is still 2p and it doesn't quite kind of look i think you might have covered that on another podcast but there's certainly i'm expecting a bit of a dividend increase in the summer um people other traders have said we've already had a dividend increase yeah we have but it's only a dividend increase for those who have joined prior to the share split if you're joining to, if you're joining today it is what it is what you see on that dividend table is what you see it doesn't look appealing um 2p for a player who's you know now more accessible you know the pounds two pounds probably so it's probably made more of the market more accessible um post share split so what i'm waiting for now is this huge market uh, marketing budget to be spent um really ramp up because the whole share split is probably to make the, the, the whole index more appealing to new users and, and get that new investment in. Flip side of that, which is the second part of the question, which is these recent blips. Um, is it a bigger threat to the product? <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because you've got on one side, you've got this 
superb pieces of marketing being done. Um, you've got all the, you know, we've talked, spoke about it before, which is perimeter advertising, there's social media advertising, talk sport. One side of the business is, you know, on fire. And then you've got this other side of the business, which seems like it's actually on fire, um, which is the technical department. Um, I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet, or the last tweet that went out, which is we're trying to, um, you know, we're trying to find out what the issues are. And for me, the previous tweets before that was we are aware of issues. And I think the language which they uh, put out could be a little bit better. Um, and I, uh, an example I want to give is Monzo, uh, which is the the, the, the app based bank. When they have issues, they write a detailed blog post. They fully acknowledge, you know, they fully acknowledge we've, we've, we've messed it up, um, and here are the reasons why we've messed it up. We're trying to get to a point where we want to do X, Y, and Z. And what they're doing is they're helping you to understand the complexities of the business. And I would appreciate it a lot more if I was. Um, brought into that if they you know whether it was a video or a blog post and you said before you know companies write blogs more often if they did a blog to say you know we're trying to uh, we've done all these maintenance maintenance updates the reason why we did these maintenance uh, maintenance updates is because we're using legacy platforms we've got processes where we're trying to move software into more kind of cloud-based and just give us a bit of a background information into why these complexities are arising and it would probably be a bit more appreciative of them and would probably be a bit more helpful to other traders who go onto twitter and say oh they played out wrong again or blah 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 well you know let me be the person that helps fi educate that person who's probably not experiencing FI and, and show them, you know, this is the complexities that business is having. Let's be a little bit more appreciative. How can we help FI um, handle that customer service, customer service side of things and let them get on with, with solving the problem. And I feel that that kind of, that's where I think FI could probably do a little bit more um, work in terms of how they actually promote or how they address these, these issues that we're, we're, we're dealing with the other part of it is last summer when they did the hundred thousand pound world cup sweepstake thing um i was quite uh i was quite kind of brash about it and said look scrap the sweepstake hire three developers or two developers however much you want to pay them and sort these bugs out um would that have been more beneficial than doing the sweepstake i'm not sure so how was money spent but there's certainly you know it how how much more how much longer can we continue to say yes but they're just a startup you know we've just we've just answered the question about how do they get to mainstream if on the flip side we keep continuing to say yeah but they're just a startup you know it's almost like a just pick the answer that's right for you at that moment in time and i think we should all kind of be working towards you know being a bit more appreciative um, towards football index on how complex this platform is um if they help us understand what, what these complexities yeah, are. Yeah, I think when I mentioned blogs earlier, I was literally referring to uh, Monzo, for example. And there are other companies mm. that do it as well. I think Free Trade yeah, yeah. and a few others um, who, who write these blogs whenever there is technical hitches or they have something that pops up on their app from a from an actual you know customer support person who, who says, hey, we've had issues on X, Y, and Z. Um, please bear with us. And I think those like little activation touch points are so important and they help um the the kind of customer base it, it services your existing customers from a customer support play uh um standpoint 
a scalable, you know, a scalable size, you know, because if you have thousands and thousands of emails coming in, that's not a scalable way to do customer support, is it? So I think Football Index need to kind of not say, okay, well, we're getting more emails. We need to get more, we need to hire more people. They need to kind of pivot the way they do customer support in a different way because i think if you have different people answering the same questions that you might not get the same answers to those questions which then becomes a bit more of a problem i just think that i just think that um they need to kind of look at the whole way that they're one i think there's the tech standpoint side of things look that needs to be sorted and you'd hope that in the next 12 to 18 months football index really grow up from that standpoint because it's clearly it's not been good enough to be frankly honest um to this point in time if you think about them saying that they've kind of uh changed backend um infrastructures then there seems to be no um there seems to be no improvement since then and then you look at the customer service standpoint i think that needs there needs to be a pivot in the way they do customer service rather than let's just hire more people because actually i know for a fact that you know monzo for example um they actually managed to keep their customer service team the same size and they were still onboarding twenty thousand customers a month so think about the actual scale of that compared to Football Index. So it may be doing, you know, let's say five, six, seven thousand a month. Um, and Monzo are probably doing, you know, 25, 40, 50,000 at this point. But Football Index were doing maybe 10% of that monthly. And they're failing to deal with kind of the, um, the onboarding, um, the magnitude of that onboarding. So I think they need to, yeah, look at the, the tech side. But also I think the, the customer service side doesn't necessarily link intrinsically to uh the tech side too much i think people marry those things together too much um the comms and the customer support things are are a different bucket and i think they need to be looked at um in that way but i I do agree i think if we were given more information we could sympathize more but if there's no touch point from football index and there's you know people's patience wear off and and they they start tweeting about stuff but the, the next question again is, is from alan cooper it asks the same thing how harmful do you think constant tech issues are there have been multiple different dividend errors in the last week finally fi customer service has tweeted that they're trying to find out what's causing the errors but do they take it seriously enough and i think to start with they obviously um they obviously do take it seriously they have to right this is their business or do you yeah, think do you yeah. think alan has a point here yeah, so they have to a acknowledge um, that there is an issue. I think what Alan might have tried and kind of um, made the point is is why after four or five incorrect dividend payments payouts or, or late payouts have they now acknowledged we're now looking into it? Why not the first time? Um, I think it might be a case of why have, why has it taken so long for them to actually tell us. Now they're looking into what's causing the errors. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, I think we've kind of answered Alan's question uh, in in the first answer to um, to Chris's question, but it certainly is an interesting thing. And I think, yeah, fix the tech thing, tech things, and then work out how you can make your customer support team scalable without having to hire masses of people. Because I think it's. Um, it can be an issue if you just think, okay, we need to double our workforce to ask, ask, answer this many questions. Whereas if you just do something here and something there to make it so, uh, you know, that your comms touches more people, um, 
it, it can make everything a bit easier. But um, we'll, we'll move on from slight negativity there. So, so the next question is from uh, F.I. Yeboah, uh, probably after Tony Yeboah, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> Thoughts and outlook on Messi price depreciation versus PB returns for summer 2019, then going into the new season. Do you think his price will drop or rise into the new season? Oh, uh, yeah. So th- this interesting uh, question regarding Messi and the whole uh, price depreciation versus PB return. Been going on Twitter, I think, on, on a while. I've kind of tended to stay away from the conversation, but I'm fully, fully aware of it. Um, but it's things like for, since 1st of Jan, Messi has dropped um, 27p per share. But since in that same time frame to today, since day of recording is returned 65p per share in dividends so he's actually you know, up in terms of net um, profit per share so you've, you've got this argument well how long or how long further in his career can he continue to div- um, earn those dividends now for me personally I'm only ever looking um, probably a season max in advance so I'm looking at his price thinking well you know, if he earns one pound or one pound fifty next season again, um, and the probability of Messi earning that is very likely. I, I'm more veered towards the very likely than the um, hope and pray that he earns some dividends. So I'd rather pay that premium, knowing that um, I'm very likely to achieve one pound, one pound fifty in dividends next season. Because look, Messi's thirty-one. Um, what are the chances of him? earning very similar. I think he's slightly down on last season. I think last season he earned £1.90, somewhere around that. I think he's hovering around the £1.20 at the minute. Um, but hey, you know, it's, it's still a, a good, decent amount of dividends. So for me, I think going into next season, if there is, like I said before, a dividend increase, um, it makes someone like Messi a little bit more appealing because the probability of earning more dividends next season is much higher than possibly others as well. And especially over the summer where we've got this five uh, five place media um, payout as well. So just even more likely that Messi earns more dividends throughout throughout the summer. Mm. I think it's uh, it's an interesting one. And I think that there are a lot of people that have been very hard on either stance. Um, not many people who have been kind of in the middle saying, I can see both sides and I'm kind of unsure. I think what we are going to see is that in the next 12 months, one of those sides is going to be proven right. And you're definitely going to see a lot of like, um, I told you so on, on Fitbit Index Twitter. And again, I don't know which side is right. You know, I know probably the rational and logical uh, reasoning and answers, but um, again, football index isn't always logical or rational, as we know. So, you know, whatever happens will happen. Um, so, so we'll kind of wait and see. I, I want to pick up on your again notion that you've you've mentioned now twice that you think football index will increase dividends over the summer, and I'm guessing that that's going to be inclined towards the PB side of things. If you were going to go do so, uh, do you do you really realistically see that happening? Well, I, the only reason why I realistically see that happening is because, like I mentioned before, on paper, the dividends, if I showed someone the dividend table and they see you know, 2p, 3p, your instant reaction is, is that it? Um, and then you show them previous, or if you Google football index dividends, you quite easily find an old graphic that shows 5p um, and the old 8p and the 12p's. Um and that looks a little bit more appealing. I've just got this kind of step into the shoes of a 
a brand new trader being introduced to football index does it look appealing or not and i'm just kind of on the more uh, i'm on more of the not so appealing side mathematically it might be but then i've always kind of said most people are crap at maths so i'll just kind of look at it face value look at the um, pb uh, payouts if they do maybe they increase it on in play dividends i don't know but i see some sort of increase somewhere over the summer where there's this huge marketing push um, that's that's going to be put in place. I, mean, I think they've already announced that they've put some budget aside for marketing or something like that. Um, so when it gets spent, I think this it kind of makes sense to um, kind of push people, have something to promote, um, which is um, increase increase dividends for 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 that new audience. If Football Index were able to take the summer, you know, part of that budget. To the to toward that PB kind of side of things, and maybe even slightly iterate the matrix and, and make it into a tiered uh, thing, then I think it would probably be beneficial for the for the platform. But look, we're we're opening up a big can of worms there. That <laughs> yeah. We might not want to get into this because we've got three questions left. Uh, the first, uh, the next one is from uh, Dan Jack Knife. I'm, I'm sure you are like many of us looking at age, position, team, playstyle media magnet or not before buying a player do you also look at other deep underlying facts that has changed over time for example personal life he he cites icardi and wonder diet uh messi's poser diet i'm not really um uh, i don't know what that is culture like change of faith are there, are there any of these like underlying facts i think maybe attitude is, is one that i can point to uh, i mean you look at there was that video going around of anthony martial's uh, warm-up the other day which have made me laugh and um i remember when alexis sanchez as an arsenal fan was still at arsenal whenever he used to get taken off even if he'd scored a hat-trick would just throw a strop there's things like that that i kind of you know you had to take into account yeah you know, absolutely um i think for me the ones that are covered in the question they're they're the obvious ones um i think dan is one of these if you know or spoken to Dan, he's he's quite um, opinionated on the fact that he believes um, if you know performance during Ramadan, for example, or uh, Bellerin becoming a vegan. I think it was. You know, how does and that we, we, we discussed that, didn't we, with um, with Joel and uh, Ollie Price Bates on a, on a podcast yeah. a few weeks ago, where. Um, I don't. I don't know if his scores were any better or worse because of his veganism. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. You can. I certainly never ever thought about that previously, and I'm not sure if it actually impacts performance. Again, we don't have enough data to kind of say it. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But it certainly, it kind of made me think certainly more outside of the usual um, teams and their playing styles and everything like that. One thing, like you just mentioned there, is the, the attitude, the, the, um, how they how they deal with sort of like, even like press conferences, you know, how, how they, who's actually taking these press conferences. And one thing I've always kind of looked at as well is foreign players and something always, there's something about players who are still wearing gloves in May. I don't know what it is, but I just kind of sometimes make me think maybe they're not adapting to, you know, uh, you know, our climate. Um, and and uh, it's just little things like that, which I sometimes just think, you know, sometimes that uh, transpires into kind of, um, are they actually settled? Do they actually um, like being where they are? There's a book called um, Soconomics. I'm not sure if you've read that. Um, there's, there's a chapter in there about how clubs um, do what they can to help settle 
a player into their new environment. So, for example, Man City, uh, when Aguero signed for Man City, they bought him a car with, um, I think it was Spanish sat-nav. Whereas on the flip side, Chelsea, when Drogba signed, they shoved him in a hotel for six months. Um, You know, they basically had somebody who was buying a house for him who was only interested in making the most amount of money for himself, not Drogba's interest at heart. So there's all these little things that need to be considered of how quickly a player can adapt into where they are. So I do kind of look into those little things um, as well, but not so much, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, well, we had, we had a, a slightly different question. Sorry, we've veered into a weird kind of like niche there. Uh, AB93, <laughs> after a sudden increase in blatant pumping possibly due to new users, on the forum, Slack, Twitter, and Facebook, does some sort of anti-pump task force need to be created to protect users who could potentially get burnt? Yeah, so uh, I think, look, pump, pumpers and dumpers and actual pumping activity, you're always going to get that. And this is from experience from uh, the stocks and shares and equities side. I'm involved in a, a number of forums um, one of which is ADV, ADVFN, and if anyone's listening who may be aware of it, may also know that there's lots of people in there who have, um, are pumping various different companies on the basis of very, very little data, uh, and they're speculative companies, and you see it everywhere. Wherever there's money, you will see pumping and dumping. You will always see people um, pumping their own um, purchases, their own whether it's companies or footballers or players, um, and you can't eradicate it. The only thing I believe that we can do is educate people on what what it actually looks like, um, and actually almost case studying the consequence, you know, putting together a bit of a case study almost. So this is what it looks like, and this is what actually happens post um, post when it starts to crash or when somebody's dumped. It's the self interest kind of thing, um, but on football index because like was mentioned before it's very kind of weak market it's very easy to create um what we call fear of missing out you kind of you know buy a player they shoot up three or four p you only have to find a small group of people and convince them uh for whatever reason that this player is going to be the next big thing or this player is going to start tonight and you know be getting quick and all of a sudden you create this kind of fear of missing out and you're getting quick and it's very very easy to do on on, on, on football index at the moment but like I said it's something that you can't eradicate what we all we can do I believe is just educate people to become a bit more aware on what it what it looks like and, and what the consequences are or can be mm-hmm. I think that's a very astute answer um, the next question is from FI underscore K Brown what's your this is actually our last question what's your opinion on FI sending out notifications about specific players flying on the market i've seen this twice now about richarlison and musa dembele and both saw a huge rise because of their pump that is interesting i i got that um dembele notification and I, the first thing i do is i go straight to the ticker on the on the website and literally within seconds you will see people buying dembele flip side of that you'll see people who have sold dembele going managed to get rid in you know uh, a few seconds and they're, they're bank the profit um so in a way i'm kind of one of these people that it creates a little bit of liquidity um it it gets the market moving um yes it can be seen as a pump but hey you know who are we to say what fi can and can't do so we i think you've mentioned on other podcasts previously as well which is 
why do they need to pick on specific players? I think it's just that moment in time and, it, and how many people are actually clued up on um, what does pumping and dumping look like you just get a notification that says oh dembele has gone up 22 percent in the last 24 hours all of a sudden you've created this fear of missing out let's get in quick and we see we see it now um i've personally got no kind of it is what it is i've accepted that it's going to happen and it will happen um we just have to kind of you know adapt to it uh there's what can we do yeah i think um it, it's just one of those things right like we've discussed it on the podcast before um when a betting company talks about them uh, boosting bets or what most bets have been placed if that makes sense um it's yeah it's just one of those things right like i don't know there's there's not really too much to say on this one is there um no, no. Go on, sorry. I was going to say it's like it's the same as you know at half time during a game you get Sterling to score next you know increased increased odds it's like well they all do it and it's all part of the platform um, if there's lots of trading going on and it boosts trading and it boosts liquidity I'm all for that because you know FI are winning and when FI are winning it means we also win and it goes back to that question earlier which is you know we should all be winning at this moment in time if FI need to do things like that in order to get the market moving, it's the same as a deposit bonus. There's no reason to do a deposit bonus, but if it gets the market moving and it creates liquidity and you get lots of um, sells and buys, FI winning, then we'll win as well. Yeah, very true. Very true. But um, I think that's all we've got time for, man. Uh, is there any other business you want to you cover or anything that you didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? No, I think, I think we've got it all there. I think it was a good good range of topics. I think there was, uh, hopefully there was a few, at least one or two nuggets in there that other traders can take away. Um, I think definitely getting across the point of, you know, having a strategy in place and then also scaling in. Don't Don't kind of run before you can walk. Uh, start small you know start small we're expecting a lot of new users uh, i'm hoping over the summer so looking forward to that yeah definitely uh thank you very much for coming on man where can people uh, find out more about you i'm on twitter um the fi investor um uh very active on index gain also the fi investor i've also got a blog fiinvestor.wordpress.com gets updated now and again but occasionally i'll put on there why i bought a certain player and then provide all the research and the stats that go with it so check out the blog if you've got spare two minutes otherwise i'm on twitter or index game yeah nice thanks very much for coming on man um no, thank you if you guys are commuting uh have a great commute and have a great day at work if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing please have a great day we've seen some great pictures of people you know driving around uh tending to their horses on holiday so please keep sending in your pictures whatever you're doing when you're listening to the Figcast. and last but not least sorry if we didn't get time to answer some of your questions we had so many and had to pick and choose uh have a great day whatever you're doing listening to the show cheers